At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 180. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot. It's Wednesday. Just It's just a day, really. Like, a lot of snow is falling. It's kind of cold. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. I got uh, this piece of kernel or, like, whatever you want to call it from popcorn stuck in my teeth that, for some dumb reason, mm. it's been there for, like, a day, a full day. And for some dumb reason, I haven't, like, taken one piece of floss to put it out. Easy. It goes, boop, 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 in and out. But no, I was like, no, I got to get this out of my tongue, damn it. Yeah, no, you got to just work at it with your tongue. And then once you finally get it to go, there is no better feeling than relieving yourself of the pain of a popcorn kernel stuck in one of your molars by just ripping it Do out. Do you then tongue. chew it into, like, a million pieces to, like, show it who's boss? Damn you for being stuck in there 24 hours. Ha! You know, I usually, I usually give it a couple of chews, but then I I usually like to give a nice spit oh. out, like to show them who's boss. You know, just a little, how you doing? See, that's an extra system. step I don't take. I got to work that into the routine. Well, I mean, if like you're you're in your home, obviously you you can't, or like if you're in a work situation, it's probably not polite <laughs> to just like spit popcorn all over the place. But I'm saying like. You know, if you can spit it out in like the sink and wash it down, or like in a garbage pail or something like that, or if you're in the privacy of your own home and just want to let it rip, that's up to you. But you know, there's there's a time and a place Perfect. for it. All right, I'm glad I'm glad I've got that leeway. I, I will work that in <laughs> in an appropriate fashion. Of course, what's, yeah, absolutely. That's what what's going on with you, buddy. Uh, not honestly, not too much. Just still frustrated with the Islanders. We. We can get a plug in here, and then like this was this is honestly what happened though. So after the game, like every game, we record a post game show, and this was might have been the longest one to date. It was like forty five minutes long. We had a lot to say on the game from last night, and I honestly, I genuinely had trouble going to sleep after that game because I just kept replaying in my head. I'm like, he took Leo Komarov takes a five minute major penalty. And then gets put back on the ice twice, and like I, I kept just I kept thinking that over and over. I don't know if that's sad or if that if that's telling, and that I obviously have some issues <laughs> going on here. But I just think I think it's relatable to Islanders fans. Absolutely, no? it's relatable. I don't think you're the only one who sat up late going like, "What are we doing here?" And that was the overall theme of that of that post game podcast. P.S. Sign up to our Patreon, patreoncom mm-hmm. Isles. We're up to 125 last I checked. I haven't looked at the mailbag yet, but like, whoo. Uh, it's a growing community and growing quick. So head over there, sign up. Five bucks a month. You get a post-game pot after every single game. Daily stuff going on there. Uh, live streams. Uh, just everything. Newscasts, although I, I called it a, a back check, four check. Looking back on the week and uh, going forward uh, this week. Anyways, ton of stuff going on there on Eyes on Isles. i uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. Anyways, we spent 45 minutes talking about like what are we doing here? That was that was it. It kept it kept coming up like what are we doing here? 
No, absolutely. And this is a perfect place to start the podcast is we have three games to really get into, two against the Devils, one of which was a nice looking win against the Devils who uh, lost their goalie, you know, hours before the game. So they were not a motivated team when the Islanders took advantage of that. Um, but then a couple of really tough performances in back-to-back games. One, uh, a no-show effort against the, the Devils where they couldn't get anything going. And then last night's disaster, which I'm sure we're going to get into a ton because that was – we still have thoughts on that one, and we got a whole post-game show Yeah, <laughs> Jesse. So that that's mm, – it's really going to get to the overall theme of what we want to get to in, in this specific segment, and that's the lineup. Um, because when you look at this lineup, you're going like, ah, no worry, uh, no wonder they didn't do anything in those two games. Because the second you shut Matthew Barzell down, nothing happens. That's it. Well, maybe not Matthew Barzell. The top line. If the top line doesn't get anything done, the top. we're, we're mm-hmm. toast. That's it. Sorry, game over. So we're six games into the season, which that's not a huge sample size, but it, it's a it's a decent amount. Like that's It's not two games. It's not three. We're talking about six games. For forwards, at five on five, there is one goal from a forward that is not on the top line, and that's J.G. Pajot. That's, it. <laughs> that's not good. That's and we lost one, right? Like who knows how long Bovilli has gone for? No, and that the scary part is we're talking about Anthony Bovillier lo- losing him for a handful of games being something catastrophic. Like if you're at the point where you lose Anthony Bovillier for four or five games and you can't survive, like that's not good. That's that's really bad. And that's just it, right? So, and it's it's not to say like anyone coming in his spot it could could never uh, replicate what he gives. Although, like we've seen what Bo can do last year, um, it it's just losing him is a big piece. But then you're you're going now you're starting to add bottom six guys into your top six. At maybe Kiefer Bellows could be more than than a bottom six guys, but right now he's a bottom six guy. So you go, all right, our offense is driven through the top line. Cool, like every team in the NHL. And two guys on the second pair. Outside of that, we have seven guys who aren't doing a whole lot. Yeah, no, that's that's scary because as we said, like that to me is the biggest theme from these three games. And we're going to get it like the first segment really we're going to get into is the lineups big. But especially in the last two games, the Islanders have one functioning line right now. And there's no and no team can survive with just one functioning line. It's impossible. No, it's just it just can't be done. It really just can't be. Look at the Boston Bruins, right? Like when when that top line is going, it goes well. But when that top line isn't going, it does not go well. Just like the Islanders. Same thing absolutely same situation uh and, and so it really gets tough when you're, you're you're relying on those three guys and then you look at the rest of the line of going like all right boys like they're not clicking or they got to shut down we need something from you ross johnston we need something from you michael del cole how about you leo komarov like those guys have combined for 65 points over the last three years that's a 0.24 points per game over six games, that's getting you what I think two points. Yeah, uh, not good. Not it's enough. It's just not enough, and that's two points. That's not two goals, right? Like that's just being on the ice or touching the puck at a certain point. Um, but like, and and we'd be lucky if that. And I'm going. I'm taking three years. These guys have had diminishing returns for the last three years. Like Leo went 26, 
14 and like, well, nothing this year, right? So like, mm-hmm. they're just not the same players and we're relying on them to give us something and that's just not how it works. And it, when you look at that lineup, you go like, no doy. Like anyone could tell you, you have a bottom six of, let's say Michael Dalcole, Peugeot, Comra, or Johnston, and then Martin Sezikis, Clutterbuck. That's probably not going to win you a whole lot of games. No, and like, are we talking about Michael Dal? We'll talk about a lot of these guys, but can we talk about Dalcole for a second with his NHL de- or not NHL his his season debut rather uh, against the Devils. He was inserted into the lineup. Kiefer Bello sat, and um, essentially he gave you like if you were to write a script, a parody script of what a Michael Dalcole game would be, it would be exactly what happened against the Devils. He played like ten and a half minutes. Zero shots, zero hits, zero giveaways, zero takeaways, flatline nothing. No time on the power play, no time on the penalty kill. He skated around on the ice for 10 and a half minutes. Um, we we can talk about him. He, he skated the puck out of the Islander zone once, and he caught the puck and dropped it on the ice once. And that was it. That, that was Those are the highlights from the game from Which, Michael Dalko. <laughs> is what we've come to expect from him. And that is no... Well, obviously, like, you'd like to see more from Michael Del Cole than that, but that that's what it is at this point. Uh, until proven otherwise, that that's Michael Del Cole's game. It's going to give you a flat line, which isn't all a bad thing, right? Like, he's not going to give you a negative performance. He may not give you a very positive performance, but he'll give you a performance. And at a certain point, sometimes you need that. You need guys to step out on the ice that you know will do a job and not you know, make a mistake while doing it. And Michael Del Cole gives you that. And there's, there's something to be said about that at the NHL level. Sure. Fourth liner. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a replacement level player as it stands now. Sure. Let, let's roll with that. But you can't have him be on the third line as, re, as a replacement level player when you have another six or sorry, four replacement players, re, replacement level players also on the lineup. Already. You, you just can't do it. Yeah. No, that's the thing, and I wrote about it, um, about Del Cole's debut, and that was the thing that I said. If there was an alternate universe where Leo Komarov, Ross Johnston, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck aren't on this roster, and he's playing fourth-line minutes with Sezikis and, I don't know, let's say Timoshov, for example. Like, you could sell me on that being a fourth-line for the Islanders and be like, okay, yeah, like, does it suck that a top-five pick is a fourth-line winger in the NHL? Yeah, it does, but, like, he's, he's an okay fourth-liner. Like, that's fine. But the Islanders don't have that luxury because they're playing him over his head on the third line, just like they're doing with Ross Johnston. Ross Johnston has no business being on a third line. He, too, is a replacement-level player that maybe okay, you want to put him on your fourth line for 25 games a year? Sure. Okay, fine. But then Leo Komarov, same thing there. You're paying him $3 million a year, and you're putting him on the third line. So that's three guys that we've already listed off right there who are playing above their head and try and JG Pajo is trying to drag them along. Like that's the guy who I feel the worst for in all of this is Pajo, who you just signed to a six-year extension at big money at five million dollars. And I'm not saying that he's not worth that money. I think he is. He's probably a top five third-line center in this game. So if you want to retain that, 
versatile piece, you pay him, and they did that. I don't have a problem with them doing that. My issue is then putting him with glorified fourth liners who are like borderline fourth liners at this point and saying, good luck to you. Do everything we are asking you to do for the $5 million cap hit, but by the way, you're playing with Ross Johnston and Leo Komarov. Like, that is just... It's ridiculous, Mitch. What, what also really strikes is. me in this Jean-Gabriel Peugeot discussion that we're having here um, is that the, at the start of the season, Barry Trott said, I did a disservice to Josh Bailey because I balanced him in and out of the lineup. Not in and out of the lineup, up and down lines, right? Different roles. The lines. That's yeah. exactly what he's doing with Jean-Gabriel Peugeot right now because of the bottom six. Because he can't have him out there consistently with Bellows and whoever else he's <laughs> sticking next to him or whoever he's got, Del Komarov. He can't do it. He won't do it, sort of. Um, he only uses it very... Anyways, we'll, we'll get to the Leo Komarov thing, I'm sure, in a bit. Um, but, like, he, he's not using them, which is like, well, then the, the, now you're forming a disservice to Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. So you, you can't always say, like, I'm going to have one Swiss Army knife guy that I'm just not going to, you know, do a service to. No, no, you, you got you got it. Like, these are guys that you're paying. You need to have them do something. And when I say paying, I'm not just saying they're uh, league minimum, like Michael Dalcole. Yeah, you're paying them, but, like... You're paying Sean Gabriel Pedro five million dollars. You can't have him pay. You can't pay him five million dollars to be like, we're gonna do you a disservice this year. I, I'm saying this because I've stated it blatantly about another guy that I did did it to last year. Yeah. No, that's the that's the scary part, Mitch. Like they they just did this with Josh Bailey. They bounced him around last year, and he and to Bailey's credit, he was still on pace for a 52 point season. Pajot, like. He has no chance. He's pl- he's centering that third line when he has to. He's playing down on the fourth line, taking key faceoffs in the defensive zone when Barry Trotz needs him to. He's playing in the top six when they need a winger to go. Like he's he's getting his you know sixteen seventeen minutes of ice time, whatever it is, a night. But his line mates are getting eight and a half and ten minutes. It really it really stresses or strains the the lineup, right? Because the the strength of the Islanders in the first two years is they could roll four lines, right? You could put four lines out with near identical, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, shift, right? Like, so time of ice was close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd have, like, you, you'd clearly see a delineation between, like, the top line, second line, third line, fourth. But we're talking one to two minutes between lines, right? Max. Now we're seeing, like, four or five minutes. And, and we're talking about, like, the the two. So uh, in, in this case, we'll go Del Cole, Komarov, uh, but uh, put Ross Johnson in the mix. Martin Clutterbuck. Uh, they're getting 10 minutes less a night. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, how many times when we first started doing the post-game shows where we were talking about Brock Nelson leading the team in ice time with 18 and a half minutes, and then, like, the, the fewest was, like, I don't know, let's say 11 and change. Now you're looking at 20, 22 minutes and 8 minutes? Like, that's a drastic Right, so, off. like... <laughs> We just we just can't roll with that. That's not sustainable, specifically in a Barry Trotz like low quantity, high quality type of system, right? That entire system is based off of we will generate more opportunities and we will give off none, right? Like we can make no mistakes, but we need to really bury the ones that we do get, or sorry, the the, the opportunities we do get. You can't do that when you're rolling Ross Johnson and Matt Martin, Leo Conroff, and Michael Del Cole and Cal Clutterbuck. The guys fill a role. I, I get it, but you can't have four guys. That's a quarter of your lineup or your forward no. lineup that you're just like not expecting anything from. No, it's bad. It's really bad. And you know, I guess with that, we could talk about the monstrosity that oh, happened last night. 
with uh, Leo Komarov because I still think we need more time to get this out. But it, it, So Leo finally made his, his debut for the season last night on the third line with Ross Johnston. Uh, from, from Jump Street, I was nervous about the game because of that line, and, and Barry Trotz gave a little F you to Isles Twitter by uh, starting that line for the game. Uh, so for the first two periods, it was like obviously not great, but there was nothing terrible happening. But in the final nine minutes or so of this game, all hell broke loose, and it's because of Leo Komarov. So first, he takes an awful boarding call, uh, awful excuse me, awful boarding penalty against Lars Eller. Like, no reason for it. Could have avoided Easily avoidable. Now, we're used to get Leo Komarov getting dumb stick fouls in the third period, but this is a five-minute major we're talking about. Like, in in the winding minutes of the game. So that's an awful spot to take that in to begin with. But now he's going to go into the penalty box from, let's say, the nine-minute mark to the four-minute mark in a tie game. That's tough to begin with right yeah, there. You, you can't have that happen from anyone. And no one can do that. You cannot allow anyone. Well, obviously, like if it's done, it's done. Like you, you can't go back in time and hit the rewind button. Uh, but once it happens, there needs to be consequences for it because something like that can't happen. You cannot have that happen at the end of the game. Uh, I understand if it's like uh, you know it. It was it was unavoidable, right? Like if he's making the hit and then Lars Eller turns and the refs like, nope, that's boarding. You're like, ah, well, mm. that was a close one. No, no, this is numbers all the way. Komarov's in the slot. Eller is in the faceoff dot. So like a good, like, let's say 10, 15 feet away. And Eller's got his back to him already. Right away, with before Leo starts skating, Eller already has his back to him. Never changes. All that happens is he turns his head. And boomtown, there goes Leo Komarov right through Eller. Through the numbers, he kind of, well, maybe not through the numbers. He tries to avoid the numbers, but he gets the shoulder and drives uh, Eller into the boards. That's textbook boarding. There's no debate. There is no debate that that is boarding. Now, we, you can get into the debate in terms of is it a major or not, because that is completely up to interpretation. I think it is. And typically it is. If the player goes off injured and does not return, that's a major. That's typically the uh, the, the high watermark for a major when it comes to the referees. And that's what happened. Eller left and boom, there you go. Major. Right, like I wasn't, well, I was watching the game and I was not surprised that it turned out to be a major. Now, when I read Twitter, that was a little bit of a different side. And I don't know if that was Islanders bias or what, but honestly, watching that happen, I don't know if I was thinking major right away, but when, you know, Eller's down and heads off, then obviously when they call that, it's like, okay, I, I understand where they're coming from on that. I didn't have the issue with that. The issue is yes. with the play, yes, not absolutely the play. Right. So, so he goes to the box five minutes, and it would have been five minutes straight, even if they yep. score, let's say, yep. it continues. So brutal spot for the Islanders to be in. Somehow, not only do they kill the penalty, Mitch, they only allow one shot. The penalty kill was phenomenal and has been really good this year. The irony in this, Mitch, is that the only Le the only reason Leo Komarov is in the lineup is because he is a penalty killer. Or a penalty kill specialist, so to speak. That's what we've been told for the last two and a half years at this point. Well, he did not get any penalty kill time even before that that one that he took. So the Islanders killed the penalty. They put him back on the ice 21 seconds later for a shift. We have issue with that because if you make a, a mistake that egregious, 
you should not return to the ice. We've seen Matthew Barzell, the best player on the team, get a couple of shift benching for a turnover. We've seen Josh Hosang, who had a few turnovers in 2017, playing in Europe now because of his mistakes. But Leo Komarov, if you're a veteran, if you're over 30 years old and you play in the bottom six, you can go right back out on the ice 21 seconds after putting your team in a disastrous, disastrous situation. They somehow survived. They somehow survived his next shift, Mitch, but his final shift, his final shift in the last 30 seconds after taking a five-minute boarding penalty, a major, he loses his man, and his man scores the game-winning goal with 27 seconds left. If you put the guy who is notorious for taking dumb third-period penalties back on the ice after taking a five-minute major not five minutes earlier, you deserve to lose that game. That's just stupid. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and that's exactly what Barry Trotz did last night in that game. It doesn't make a whole lot like his whole thing is being defensively responsible, right? Like he's a veteran and he'll he'll do he, he can you know do what he needs to be done to win this game and will it through when in crunch time. That's literally not what Leo Komarov did last. He did the absolute opposite of that. It was opposite. It was embarrassing, right? I just want to kick a garbage can like letter K. It was embarrassing to see that because you're going 26 seconds. That's all. It was 26 seconds. And the mm-hmm. puck was in, in the offensive zone. They had it in the offensive zone, and then they gave it up, and it, it, he comes skating back barely uh, and, and doesn't pick up his man. When Scott Mayfield is telling him, pick up this guy, and he does it, and boom, it's in the net. Gah! It's so embarrassing and deflating. But then you ask yourself, like, we put ourselves, we, the honors put themselves in this situation. Look at the lineup they're icing and look at how they're using them. What are we doing here? Why are we doing this? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This lineup needs to change. Barry Trot says he's going to change it. I don't have a lot of faith that he's going to change it in the, in the way that we want to see it changed. No, of course not. We want to see Kiefer Bellows. We want to see Oliver Wallstrom. God forbid, there's a top six injury. We don't want to see Michael Del Cole playing second line minutes. We've seen that. It didn't. It does not. It did not work. We would like to see Kiefer. I thought in the limited time that Kiefer Bellows had on the second line, I thought he was okay. Was he great? No, but I thought he looked like at least he belonged. Like he was getting in on some of the plays there. But the issue was he was only on the ice for 11 minutes, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> 11 minutes of five on five time, was it not, right? Right. Leo Komarov, who took a five-minute major, had more ice time than him. <laughs> uh, so assuming Bo's out still tomorrow uh, on Thursday, uh, so you're probably listening to this on Thursday, assuming he's still out today for today's game, does Bello stay in the top six to you? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess... But I don't know if he's going to play the top six minutes. He might be listed in the lineup and take warm-ups like that and then get his 10, 11 minutes of ice time. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping so. But at the end of the day, like the lineup changes, I don't think it's going to be anything close to what we're anticipating. No, and, and that's what, what I wrote today, right? Like I, I put up three options, like the, what we want to see, 
maybe a hybrid between what we want to see in Trots and what Trots is going to do. And when I when I put Trots out, I, I did put Bellows in the lineup because um, I just don't. I think that Trots is, is trying to build him into that. I, I think he's going to give him another shot. I don't imagine he plays that many top six minutes, but he he will play. I think he had like eight minutes with uh, Brock and um, and Bailey as 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 his line okay. against them. Uh, against them being the capital, sorry. Uh, but I, I just don't see him going all out and being like, Bellows, Wallstrom are in, and putting Wallstrom in the top six. That That's what I think we should see. Wallstrom should be in the top six on the right, put Bailey on the left, Bellows down next to Peugeot. Now Peugeot's got someone to work with. Because, like, all, everything we say about, like, uh, well, um, Wallstrom might not be a great defensive player. Cool. I don't think he ever will be. I think we need to put that to bed. He's never going to be a two-way player. And the fact that we tried to cram him into that, like, circular peg is just not going to work. It's just not. Look at Joshua saying It didn't work with him. Why are we trying to do this again? Wallstrom might be more receptive to the coaching than Joshua saying is. But, like, we can't do this again. We have to put him in a top six position. It makes no sense to use Oliver Wallstrom at, like, 53% defensive zone starts like Kiefer Bellows is getting. No, but... With Kiefer Bellows, I do think he has that scoring upside, and I do think they trust him a little bit more in the defensive zone. And at least he can throw the body, too, a little bit. Right, and I, I don't think Walsham will do that as much as Bellows. He can. He's not a small kid. I think he's like 6'1", mm-hmm. 180, 190. I think he's a little, uh, maybe even close to two. Something like that. Um, I just went from like 80 to 200, like just throwing around 20 pounds. Someone in my position should not be willy-nilly throwing 20 pounds around. <laughs> Um, but, but I think um, Trotz is going to ice a lineup of like Lee Barzell Eberly, Bellows Nelson Bailey, Dal Cole, Peugeot, Timoshov, Martin Sezikis Clutterbuck. I, I mm-hmm. don't think we see Johnston Komarov. I really don't. I hope to God we don't because it doesn't make any sense anymore. It just doesn't. You can't, you can't have Komarov out there. We've seen it. Um, and you can't have Johnston out there when you have Martin. It is reductive. They're not reductive, but. They're 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 the same player. It's just you just can't do it. But that's what I think Barry Trotz does. I I hope it, it isn't, but like that that everything tells me that's what it's going to be. Yeah. No, I I lean towards your thing your thought process as well. Like I I just as much as the fan base says, okay, we're tired of continuing to run out the same things that we've done now for two and a half years. We want to see the younger kids finally get a shot. I, I don't think we're going to fully see that. I don't think we're going to see Bellows on line three and Wallstrom in line two. I think maybe you get Bellows on line two and like Dal Cole and I don't know. Maybe maybe it is someone like Timoshov on the third line with Pajot. Is that more palatable than what we've been seeing? Sure, but it's still not the best option. Right, and of eyes. course we're not privy to anything, everything. We don't know how these guys are training and how they look on the ice or if something's bothering them that, that they're just not telling us. Um, but from everything we know, it really does make sense to let some of these kids play. Uh, you're looking for more offensive pop? Guess what? You got, you know, two guys, I'm going to include uh, Bellows in this, that have or have the potential for that offensive pop and you're not letting him use it. Why? why because they might make a mistake you might have to live with that right like maybe some of your defensive guys should be a little bit more a little bit better defensively if that's a problem 
Yeah. If you're so, so to speak, bottom six guys that you're supposed to be able to rely on don't make massive mental errors, maybe you win that game. Absolutely. Last 100%. Anything else on the lineup? I'm, I'm ready like for the, the, the fire, the, what do you, whatever you would want to call it, the barn burn that's going to be Twitter tomorrow when one of Andrew Gross, B Comp, or, or someone, I guess it's in Washington, so I guess they're not really there. Uh, I, whenever the lineup gets out, I can't wait for the, the Twitter fire that's going to happen because it's, it's not going to be pretty, I would imagine. Yeah, I uh, I feel the same way with you there. I, I don't think it's going to be a pretty sight. Uh, so with that, let's get into the goalies. Um, you have one goalie playing out of his mind right now in Simeon Varlamov. He allowed three goals technically last night, but he was still he was good. He was fine. He had a 919 save percentage. Uh, and before that, had a 0.33 goals against average. Like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, he's the second best goalie in the league uh, at five on five with goals saved above average at uh, five two six. The only goalie better than him is John Gibson. That's it. That's that's the that's the list. One John Gibson and goals saved above average. So that's considering all the goalies out there, and like he's just on fire. It's incredible to have Ilya Sorokin. Not so much right now. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. Uh, so much right now. He had obviously we, last week. We talked about his first start was tough. Second one, I thought he was, I thought he was better. Um, some people were extremely cr- critical. He allowed two goals. Um, one was on the the power play that I thought he had absolutely no chance on. Uh, the other, well, did he let up a big rebound? Yes. But speaking of that bottom six, Casey Zekas just getting put in an absolute pretzel didn't help. Well, so like let, let's consider it. So we looked at goals saved above average for um, Simeon Varlamov and said like, oh, he's he's really good compared. Okay, well, Ilya Sorokin is 45th in goal saved above average. Not great, of course, uh, but he's around guys like Thatcher Demko, Tristan Yari, Tuka Rask, Jonathan Bernier. Well, Jonathan Bernier, maybe not. Carter Hart. Like these are all guys that are all around him at 44, 46, 47, 49 overall in terms of goal saved above average. So yes, his season maybe may not have started well, but you have some of these guys who are considered pretty darn good goalies in the NHL, and he's right around them. So let's chill out a little bit, right? Like, yes, first game did not look good. The angles were not there. No, um, but chalk that up to nerves, uh, pressure, all this other stuff going on. Um, I thought when we saw him in his press conference after the uh, the win or the the loss to uh, the the Devils, like. He's just looking around still, not sure where he is or what's happening. Like, this kid is not over his head, but, like, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that we're not seeing that he's dealing with um, on top of performing at, at, the, at the peak of his powers. It's going to take a bit. And still, like, you would think that if you put a 917 save percentage out there and only allow two goals like your team should probably still win that game. It doesn't help that the Islanders have scored zero, <laughs> no goals in either of the Over starts. Over six periods of him in net, they have no goals, none. It's embarrassing for him and, and us. Yeah. But like how how do you not give him any runway? Like you're putting all of it on his shoulders. And I don't understand how the team plays so differently between the two. Like, I understand the argument, like, well, they're more comfortable with with, uh, with Varlamov. They know him. They've been around him. Cool. I get that. 
But you would think that they'd like double up their efforts to help out their goalie in, in, in Sorokin. And they're doing none of that. Like how many times is he left unprotected with the guy just sitting in front of him? How many times? Like how? That, that Jack Hughes goal should not, maybe not should have not have gone in. But like he shouldn't have had someone posted up right on him pushing him back. He should have had a defenseman helping him move the guy out of the way. Right, and it's only a second start. He is going to get better. I, I don't think we can come to this grandiose conclusion that he's not going to be as good as what we think he is based on six periods of play from him. Uh, so I think we need to relax. I think he looked a lot better the second time out there. He let up. He made a half a mistake. Half half of it goes on Sezikis. The other half goes on Sorokin for that second goal. The first one had no chance on. Unbelievable shot from Hughes. He was screened. Like no, like we said, no one was there to clear out the body in front of the net. I forget who it I was who was Woods, in front of the net. I think. I, I think you're right now that you said that. Um, but but still, he made half a mistake. He let up a handful of bigger rebounds that maybe he could have swallowed. But there was a drastic step forward, which I think we have to be excited about. About you know, and that's I said this after the first game. Like form is temporary class is permanent like this is a good goalie he has talent he has skill it will come through it might take a bit but it will come through we saw we saw that um with the first game it was not good at all uh and it bounced back in the next one and i bet you the next game is probably going to be maybe not as good as a 917 but somewhere a 912 to 915 at least um and, and that's good for a third start at the nhl level that you can use that so, like, I think that anyone who's thinking, that guy's a bust, needs to take a chill pill and relax. This is two two games, six periods of play. Uh, this is a good goalie. We saw what, how good Shesterkin was last year, and look at him now. Right? Like, yeah, they point. could go either way. He could be really bad now and great going forward. Let's chill. Absolutely. And just back to Varlamov on a second. Are you surprised that he has been this successful, or is this kind of not really that much of a yeah, surprise? Yeah, I think to you? so. I think anyone would be weird to say it's not a surprise. Like, I saw Varley being a stonewall for sure. He's a good goalie, of course, but, like, are you surprised? I'm, I'm a little surprised that it's this good. I'm not surprised that he's good. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. Uh, I guess, like... Expecting him to be this good was probably unfair, but my expect I'll say it like this. My expectations were high for him because we saw what he did when the team was healthy last year and how good he was in the playoffs. So with a relatively healthy roster right now, outside of losing Anthony Bovillier, uh, he's been very, very good. So um, I'm not super surprised that he's been good. Maybe to this level is one thing, but um, I was I had high hopes. Yeah, he's for him got a year. apparently a flat one goals against average in I guess that makes sense, really. He's got two goals against in four games. Although, wouldn't it three? I don't know what natural statrix is on about. He's got a flat... No, no, Okay. Four. Yeah, four. Anyways. Um, so he's got a flat one goals against average. You're right. I forgot about that one against the Devils. My bad. Um, yeah, so like uh, flat one, like that's the second best uh, goals against average in the league acro- uh, across all strength. Uh, Anton Hudobin's the only one that's better at a .99. Um, but like... I, no one thought it was going to be this good to be a good goalie for sure. Could he do as well as he did last year? Well, he didn't do that well because of the second half. So I, I, I wouldn't say this is a surprise. Or, or sorry, how do I want to say this? I'm just going to say what I said at the beginning. I'm kind of surprised it's this good, but not surprised that he's good. 
Bastini. Yeah. Okay. No. Good. Anything else on no, either I'm just, one I'm of running those two in guys. circles on Barlamov. There we go. So let's get to down on the farm. Mitch, what do we got for uh, Okay, so in the in the post online, you wanted to talk about Hosang, right? You want to find out what's going on with him? Yes. Okay, so he's yes, playing on Thursday. So tomorrow. Uh, it That's took a good. while to get his paperwork like sorted out, apparently. Um, they thought they could get it done over the weekend and maybe have him in uh, this week, uh, maybe even on Tuesday. But it, it just got sorted out early this morning here in North America. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's ready. He's got all the paperwork figured out. He's ready to go. Tomorrow he plays against Lulia, who I think is like fourth or fifth. They're, they're just kind of around uh, Oribro in terms of the standings. Actually, not their third, uh, whereas Oribro is fifth. They have five points on Oribro uh, with the game in hand. So they're a good team. This is going to be uh, – Josh was saying he's going to have a – a quick wake-up call in terms of how good this league is. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him out there. What time is that game at? Is it? Uh, I believe start? it's gonna be a one o'clock start. Let me just kind of pull up that that information right now. Um, but usually it's it's around one o'clock. I have to try to. Find I can probably set you up if you let me know. Um, okay, yeah, it's okay. one o'clock. Puck drop one o'clock uh, for all. All these SHL games tomorrow, including Brynäs, which might have um, uh, Alexander Leonkrantz in the lineup again. Okay, because he's he's bouncing back and forth, man, between the two like nonstop. Yeah, yeah. You said I believe it was last week or the week before we were talking about how he was bouncing around from. It's both nuts. Of those like teams. he'll be uh, with Strombro on Monday, and then with Brynäs Tuesday, back to Strombro Wednesday, and then Brynäs again on Thursday. The, the kid is nonstop. He might not be playing with Brynäs, but he's he's suited up and he's a substitute. Uh, so like he's not getting ice time, but he's still there and practicing and you know doing the thing with the team. So the, the Brynäs is using the full force of that loan move where they could call him up and down without any paperwork. They just do it like call. You're you're coming in. Boom. Done. Yeah, that's that's tough on him, man. Because he almost doesn't know from. I mean, I'm sure he has somewhat of an idea what where he's playing and when, but it, it could be ever-changing or changing very rapidly, so good on him. And he's killing it! Had a hat-trick, he being Lundgren's, had a hat-trick the other day for uh, Stromsbro. Overtime, game-winning, coast-to-coast goal. If you haven't seen it, check out my Twitter. I have a clip for it, or check out the latest prospect report. I have the GIF on the website. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, it's uh, pure speed, goes coast-to-coast, uh, just ducks the shoulder and blows by two defenders, and it's in. Uh, he's got Ooh, eight points in f- in six games so far at the uh, hockey itan level. Um, okay. Next, I wanted to get to uh, Russian Ishkakov, who is scoring buckets for uh, TPS. Maybe not scoring; he's not actually doing a lot of the goal scoring himself. Um, but he's got okay. six points over his last five games, which is forty three percent of his production to date uh, at the the Finnish level or the legal level. Um, he's a second round pick from twenty eighteen. Tons of talent. Tons of talent. Undersized. Like, he's 5'8", yeah, 160, I think. So, like, smaller okay. than I, but about as heavy as I am. But top-end talent. Absolute top-end talent. Uh, hasn't been able to put it together quite yet at the finish level, but now it seems that it's coming It's coming through. Do you think we see him in the Probably. AHL next year? 
Uh, it, it'll okay. depend on how well the season goes. I would imagine TPS would like to keep him for the year for the next year, uh, but it might. He's only got a one year contract with TPS, so I think his 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 sentiment was like, I'm gonna go there, perform well, and then I'll I'll, I'll go to the AHL next year because the Islanders weren't willing to to bring him to the AHL this year, uh, so just yet. No, but I don't have an issue with him going to Europe to play this year and then, you know, maybe making his way over for next year because he'd be, what, 20, 21 yeah, years old? Yeah, something at that like that. De- de- depending on spot. the birthday, I'm not too sure. Uh, Ish Kukov, let's bring up his, uh, his birthday. He's a 2000 year. So, yeah. Uh, he'll turn 20 in July. July 22nd is his birthday. Sorry, so he's 20 okay. now. Sorry, he'll turn 21. I still think we're in 2020. <laughs> no, I, I do the same thing. Um, yeah, so same he's thing. listed here at 5'8", 152, so not even quite 160 pounds. It's weird to say that I weigh more than a pro- than a professional hockey player. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of wild. So dude, that, that's but... the thing working against him. Uh, and the last one here that I have like a, a significant update for is, maybe not even it's significant, it's more of questions, uh, Henrik Tikkanen. So that's the seventh round pick from 2020. He was loaned out to Kalpa, and I think I said that on the last one. Uh, so he moved up from the Mestis League up to um, the Liga, so the, the top league of the of the, of the Finnish uh, hockey pyramid. But I, he's not playing, I, and I don't even see him listed on the lineup card. I don't know what's going huh. on. I reached out to Kalpa. They haven't got back to me. Uh, I'm going to reach out to, to uh, IPK uh, tonight if I can if not tomorrow to kind of check in with them going like so your boy isn't playing what's going on what's going on yeah that I would like that'd be good to get an update there on that one if because if they had a back to back this weekend this past weekend so I thought he'll definitely play I saw him on the roster I know he was listed as the backup so I thought when that that back to back's coming he's playing not playing none of those goalies right. are listed and I'm going I don't understand is he like in some sort of international competition that I don't know about, because those happen. Um, I just don't know where he is right now. So where in the world is Henrik Tikkanen right now for me? Yes, if uh, someone could let us know, or let Mitch know specifically, <laughs> that would be just, a big I just help. want to know where goalies are at. He's hard to miss. He's 6'8". So. He's yeah, a big, he's a big dude. dude. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, that's Anyone all else? I really have anything on. Like, I spoke to uh, Matthias Rayanemi mm-hmm. the other day. I spoke to Reese Newkirk a few days before that. I will be speaking to Williams Full, I believe, on Monday. So, like, I- I'm just trying to keep up with that uh, that 2020 draft class, although, like, Reese Newkirk was 2019 draft class, just to kind of, like, figure out where they are, what they're doing, and how's it going. Awesome. Great. I look forward to these updates each and every week. And uh, it's good because I I personally, I don't follow it as closely. So it's good to see, you know, get an update each week on who's doing what. So glad things are going well in Islanders land. Absolutely. Shall we get to the quiz, Mitch? As we do every week, I quiz Matt on a random New York Islander hockey player. I guess it's not very random. It's based off the episode. We're episode 180. So this player has something to do with 180. Um, you have five clues, Matt, okay. to guess who the player is. They get progressively easier as we go. Are you ready? All right, clue Let's number one. I was born June 24th, 1965. Okay, next. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I was a 214th overall pick in 1983. I'm a 6'6 defenseman. Uh, If you want to know his hand, he's a right shot defenseman. Right shot defenseman from 1983. Okay. Uh, I wasn't drafted by the Islanders. I was drafted by the Buffalo Sabres, who traded me to the Islanders in 1991 as part of the Pat LaFontaine trade. Damn it. So it's not Pierre Turgeon. Okay. Yeah. Four. Okay. I had great years with the Islanders. Not career years, but pretty darn close. I put up, uh, what is it, 94 points over 180 games. I had a 35 point in my first year with the Islanders. I scored 35 points in 59 games. That would have been a career year for him. I'm just doing the math here. His career high was 44. This would have put him on pace for 49. 49. I'm going to have to take the L on this one. My my first name is Uwe. I figured that would give it away. It's such a a, like, not specific. Uwe. Uwe? U-W-E. Kroop. What's the last name? Yeah. Uwe Kroop? I thought it'd like... It, that's such a, How like, long? only one person can ever be called Uwe. I thought that would give it away. Sorry. Yeah. No, that, that's on me. My my 90s knowledge was a little I off I figured I may, I may not get you on the, on the 1980s stuff or 1990s stuff, but, like, either way. Yeah, Uwe Krupp, big defenseman. 6'6", 240 pounds. But still, put up numbers, buddy. 35 points in uh, 91-92, 38 points the next year after that, and it kind of dwindled afterwards. How many years did he, he played play those for the Islanders? three because they traded them the next year. Those three. So he played 91-92, 92-93, 93-94, only played 41 games before they sent him to the Quebec Nordiques. Okay. All right. Hand up. That's on <laughs> it's me. It's fine. That's they got Ron Sutter back and got the first round pick um, in 94 from the, the Nordiques that they used to draft uh, Brett Lindros. The wrong Lindros. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, boy. Let's get into the social stuff, Mitch. What's going around on Okay, so my first one here comes from at uh, Peter51D. Call me crazy, but Lou should inquire bringing on. He says. Sorry. Should inquire bringing Jim Rutherford into the front office. That would be quite the tandem looking over the aisles and their woes. Jim Rutherford? Didn't he step away for personal reasons from the Penguins? Yeah, but he's not ill, so he, he's he's healthy. But, like, if he still wanted to, you know, get something done in the game, man, this, this guy knows how to pull a trade out. Like, this, this guy that's knows true. how to make trades happen. So, why not? Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point. Um... I, I I feel like if he were to just step down, though, like he's going to want to do just something completely different now, though. Oh, I, I'm sure he's ready for it. He already retired, right? He retired from the Carolina Hurricanes like years ago yeah. uh, and then came back to do this to like try to win a cup and he won two. I think he was only supposed to be around for like three years with the Penguins and stuck around for seven. I imagine he's just like, I'm done, done. Maybe he comes in to like catch a paycheck or just chat with, a, with an old buddy. Mm-hmm. If he comes in, there's going to be an industrial quantity of hard candy at, uh, at Islanders HQ. They're gonna have, 
the I I don't know the brand, but you know the the strawberry hard candies that would just always appear. <laughs> They're just gonna have like buckets of those. Buckets everywhere. It'll be that and hand sanitizer everywhere you see. Absolutely. Uh, my first one comes from the Hershey Bears on Twitter. Ooh. It says, "Surprise! The exact moment Matt Molson found out he was named Captain of the Bears with a little help from a surprise message on the video board from his kids." So it's a video of Matt Molson's kids letting Matt Molson know that he is the new captain of the Hershey Bears. Gotta love it. Islander legend's a stretch, but he was a good Islander. He was a good Islander. <laughs> yeah, legend is a stretch, but you're right. He's absolutely he was he was good while he was here. Um, it you know the trade didn't really work out for either side, right? Like he mm-hmm. didn't have a good time in Buffalo, but you know he's he's a good he's a good pro, right? So yeah, that's and, good. And kudos for him to for continuing to play and put up numbers in the AHL. Like someone of his caliber could have just been like, you know, that's it. I'm done once, you know, it it went down the road of, I'm not going to be an NHLer anymore, but this is his, I think third straight year playing in the AHL, putting up big numbers. Yeah. I wonder how much money he's making in in the minors. Like, I don't imagine he's making like, you know, Josh was saying, you know, 70 K. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious now too, but I'm pretty sure he put up like, 40-something points last year in the AHL, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm sure he's on an AHL contract now, but like his last deal, oh, that was Buffalo. So yeah, he's, he's definitely on an AHL contract that I, I don't know the worst. But yeah, he put up 41 points in 62 games with the Hershey Bears, 62 points the year before that with the Ontario Reign. Whew. 62 points in 68 games. My God. Yeah, man can play. So good for him. Man can still play. Uh, my next one here, I'm not going to say who it's from because it doesn't necessarily matter. And I don't want to get into like what this person says. Anyways, uh, it says Isles should have traded Bailey for one, uh, one second instead of Taves for two would have saved cap room and would have would not have given to, uh, sorry and would not have needed to give Andy Green two million in bonuses, which will hamstring next year's cap, whether he's still here or not. And I just want to put that like, no, no. You can't have that. I see that a lot. Like you need to, tra- Bailey needed to be traded instead. E- even if you feel that because you don't like Josh Bailey or you don't think he's worth his five million dollars, what team do you think is going to bring him on uh, at five million dollars for the next what is it three years? What like no? Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't think that's happening. I, I agree. And it's not like the Islanders should trade him. Sorry, the next four years. At sorry, it is the next three years. Uh, this year plus three at five million dollars a piece. That's just not movable. If you're willing to move it, I don't think the Islanders were ever going to consider moving Josh Bailey. I just don't think so. No, because that. I mean, who the hell else are they going to have in their top six, Mitch? Could you imagine that top six now? It may, maybe it forces Lou to open up a spot to Barry. You know, it forces Lou. Sorry, it Lou forces Barry. Jesus, to put Oliver Walsham in the top six, right? Maybe. I guess I, I don't I don't know. But, oh, that that's a full on stretch for me. I'm going stretch yeah. Armstrong on that one. No, I get that though. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna say hard pass on that one to whoever uh, anonymous Twitter user hard pass. Yeah, it, again, I don't want to make it about that person and that person's meaning. Said I don't want people to go back and look. I can't believe you said that about Bailey. But I, it's just it's not just that one. It's that one I saw recently and I'm seeing it again a bunch of places. Like no, no, let's put that to bed. Like th- th- it's not gonna happen. Absolutely. Uh, my last one comes from Brian Compton, who says UBS Arena projects to sell out of upper bowl seating by the end of the month. 
So kudos to UBS and Islanders fans for uh, getting those season tickets. That was going to be mine as well. Like big, big Ooh. job by uh, James Nichols over at the Hockey Writers who got that as well. Uh, I don't know if he was first. I think either way, it doesn't matter. He he also reported that uh, oh, speaking okay. to the, the VP of sales uh, saying like, yeah, we sold out or we're going to sell out over the next two weeks, the upper bowl. Um, we're also going to, we're, we're bringing them in into, as a family. Um, what is it? Hartford? Is it hard? No, Connecticut. Sales in Connecticut are up 28% and uh, Westchester is up 45, 46%. Good stuff. That's great. So like we're bringing in fans that we didn't have before. Maybe not. Sorry. They're probably Islanders fans, but like they weren't willing to buy season tickets before. That's a huge thing. Correct. It's the ability to sell season tickets to people who normally wouldn't get season tickets just because. And look, the health of a franchise is based off of how much money they, they bring in, right? Like mm-hmm. money talks at the NHL, uh, just like any business. And bringing in or selling out season tickets in the Upper Bowl and bringing in fans from areas you weren't uh, originally bringing in fans for, that's a huge health check on the organization going like, you're healthy, check. <laughs> Absolutely. No, uh, it's definitely a sign of a healthy organization. So good stuff. Absolutely. I didn't have anything else. That was going to be my third one as well. Okay. So just a couple of plugs before we go, wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review that really helps us out. We appreciate all the love and support. You can also follow along with us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and Y and Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could visit the website eyes on aisles.com or download our app, the eyes on aisles app available for iPhone or Android. And last but not least, Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. A $5 a month subscription gets you a weekly mailbag show, a post game show for each and every game, a live stream, a community of Islanders fans. It's a whole lot of fun over there. And uh, it's really a good time, right, Mitch? Oh, I love going. I'm on there every day. We're up to, like I said earlier, 125 patrons. Get in on that while the getting's good. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for us on episode 180. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. 
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.